Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Did you hear that? Wine and champagne is 20% off. And that? Medium selection boxes like Skittles and Cadbury mix and match any three for five euro. 20 and 24 can boxes of Coke, Diet Coke and Coke Zero are just 12 euro. Have you got any 10 off 50s? And that's the sound of better value. Every week leading up to Christmas, there's new savings to be had. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Vouching abuse to an ex-grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Vouch excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. Nathan Holden's marriage had fallen apart, and when his wife filed for a restraining order against him and started the process of gaining full custody of their three children, he snapped and decided that if he couldn't have the kids, she shouldn't have them either. This is Monsters. Parasite is the act of killing your parents, but in this case, I'm branching out a little bit and talking about a story where the in-laws were the victims of someone's uncontrollable rage. Nathan Holden had grown up with a turbulent childhood, being born to teenage parents. His parents were violent with each other and suffered from drug and alcohol addiction. Some of his parents' fights were so violent that his mother's face was disfigured. She would just as violently attack his father as well. It led to their eventual divorce after 35 brutal years of marriage. His mother began smoking crack when Nathan was in high school. He encouraged her to get help for her substance abuse problems and even took her to rehab. LaTanya Taylor grew up in the Riley Hill area of Raleigh, North Carolina. Her mother, Angelia, was the pastor of the Zion Hill Holiness Church in Wake Forest, North Carolina. She'd been the pastor there since 2000. 
Her father, Sylvester, was a retired Vietnam vet who was disabled while serving in the military. He was the deacon at the church and took care of all the maintenance there. He was very dedicated to the church and the people in their community, so he was known to do odd jobs and help his landlord with farming and property maintenance. Latanya described him as strict but loving. She said her mother was loving and overly positive, always finding the good in everything. Nathan lived in the same neighborhood as Latanya, and the two became friends at a young age before moving on to a physical relationship. I knew him from um, his family lived in the same community that I grew up in, Raleigh Hill community. His grandmother um, lived down the street from my grandmother, and the families were pretty close. Um, we grew up pretty close, and then they moved to Jonesville, which is um, a few houses down from my mother's church. Um, we started dating in middle school, um, going into high school, and uh, we started out really as best friends. Like, I could talk to him about anything, and he could talk to me about anything. Um, we was like really close friends. And then it grew into a romantic relationship, whereas I got pregnant with my son. Um, when, did, when did that happen, Latonya? That happened in high school. I was 15. Psychologists say that Nathan became attached to Latonya early in his life because he was seeking a sense of normalcy, and he saw that in her family. When she became pregnant, though, he seemed easily willing to break that attachment. The pregnancy was unexpected. Um, we wasn't together during the pregnancy because he didn't believe that was his child. Um, so he waited and um, he was advised by his parents not to um, participate during the pregnancy until we had received the test results that it was his son. And uh, once we got those results back in Germany, um, he was actively involved in Jeremy's life. The, it, it was um, confirmed that the defendant is JT's father. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, when, when JT came along, what um, did y'all just stay boyfriend and girlfriend, or did you change your relationship at that point? Yes, we, um, we stayed boyfriend and girlfriend. Then. Once the paternity test proved he was the father, he became an active participant in the pregnancy. Something that seems like it should have been a red flag, but nobody's perfect, and Latanya continued her relationship with him. Jeremy, who goes by JT, was born in 2000, and the three had a relatively normal family for quite a few years. Nathan and Latanya got married in 2002, when she was about halfway done with college. Latanya said that her father didn't like Nathan because he thought he was arrogant and that he had an attitude, but when she told him that they were getting married, he said that all he wanted was for her to be happy. Her mother, on the other hand, loved Nathan. The couple were married at the Zion Hill Church and Angelia performed the ceremony. Her father, Sylvester, and her son, JT, both walked her down the aisle. Latanya described the early years of their marriage. Um, it was okay the first, I would say the first two to three years, but um, I got pregnant with my first daughter, and things just started kind of going downhill from there. Um, it was a financial strain because I wasn't able to work, and so we was um, living off one income. We bounced around, um, moved several times. We moved in with a family member, and um, 
it was it was a it was a financial strain very early on and then as soon as i had nautica i got pregnant with amber so they're like uh, 11 months apart and so um i wasn't able to work at the time and so it was a strain on having just one income and at the time he was a barber so it wasn't like a consistent steady income at the time so Nautica's your old, your oldest child, oldest daughter. Yes. And Amber's the younger daughter. Yes. Their first daughter, Nautica, was born in 2005, and then their second daughter, Amber, was born in 2006. This led Latanya to be out of work for a substantial period of time. She had graduated from college and had worked for a local credit union while also working as a manager at Walmart, but now they were down to a single income. Nathan worked as a barber, which wasn't a stable income since he only earned money based on how many customers he had. If it was a slow day, he wouldn't make much. After Amber was born, the relationship started going downhill. There were rumors that he was cheating, which Latanya said she just brushed off. He would be gone all the time, and she said she didn't know where he was. She explained that Nathan had sold drugs out of the house, but he agreed to stop after JT was born. After Amber was born, Latanya said that he started selling drugs again. When she told him she wanted him to stop, he told her it didn't matter what she wanted. She also admitted to having an affair herself. She developed a physical relationship with another man for about a month in 2006. She said she never told Nathan for fear that he would harm her if he found out. This fear isn't backed up by any past abuse, though. It's important to make it clear that LaTanya and Nathan's marriage did not have any domestic abuse between them. She doesn't explain why she thought he would be violent at the time. Even though she was unhappy in the relationship, LaTanya wanted to stay together for the sake of the kids. She told her parents she was unhappy, but never expressed a desire to get a divorce to them. Things changed drastically near the end of December of 2013. LaTanya got a call at work from Nathan telling her that she needed to come pick up JT. JT, who was about 13 at the time, was outside when he was supposed to be inside, so Nathan punished him by beating him with a broom. Even though LaTanya had an hour left of her shift, she left right away, and when she got home, she found JT in his room crying, and Nathan was gone. This was the point where LaTanya decided to leave. I didn't want to, I knew I was, I was done. I was tired. Um, I was unhappy. I was hurt. I just didn't see a change um, because anytime I would bring up anything um, about working on our marriage, it just, it went downhill. It was, it was, everything was my fault. So um, I was just tired. I didn't see us working anything out. I was done. I was unhappy. So, um, I didn't want to leave right then. I kind of waited, I think, about a week or two because I didn't want to leave upset or in a, I wanted us to separate in a as peaceful as possible. So I would get to things where kind of like calm down. She said that she waited until things cooled down so they weren't separating while angry. She was trying to separate peacefully, which is a smart thing to do, but she still describes being afraid of how Nathan would react to the news. The defense in the case points out many times that Nathan didn't have a history of domestic violence against Latanya. 
It was true that he had never physically assaulted his wife up until that point, but he had recently beat his teenage son with a broom, so his capability of violence had become apparent, and Latanya was right to fear for her and her children's safety from him. She finally broke the news to Nathan. Um, he was working on that Friday, which is the 19th, and I called him and told him, I was like, I'm leaving. I'm not happy. Um, I don't see us working this out and I'm gone. I can't do this anymore. And me and my kids are going to move in with my parents. And he was like kind of quiet at first. And then he was like, um, you know, he was like, I don't understand. He didn't understand why. Um, can we work? You know, he was just like, um, I don't know, you know, what you trying to do, things like that. And then he said, um, well, if you leave, just leave the TV. And um, I said, okay. And he came home that night. We kind of talked about it. And I, I was just firm with that, that I wasn't trying to work it out or anything. He left for work that Saturday morning. And when he left, that's when Jeremy and I started packing up and moving things into the storage. I did the defendant ask about the kids at that point or where they want to keep the kids at the house at that point? Um, yes. And I, and I told him I'm going to keep the kids, but I'm not trying to take them away from him. I told him that we can, I, we, you know, we can get joint custody. Um, I definitely wasn't trying to keep him away from the kids. I still wanted him to be involved in their lives. I just didn't want to be with him anymore. And, and how did the, kids react to the to the separation um initially jeremy was happy because you know he got beat and then he just he was just happy he was like i'm so happy he was the one actually moving things and like rushing and trying to hurry up and get it done but he was glad that i was doing this and the girls just followed right with their plan and they, they were so young they were so. still young mm -hmm. I find it strange that the final straw in the relationship for her was the fact that Nathan had beat JT, but her position on the separation was that she didn't want to keep the kids from him. She just didn't want to be with him anymore. And she goes on to say that JT was happy about leaving because of the beating. I don't know. Latanya said that things were in fact peaceful at first. JT spent Christmas with Nathan and the girl spent Christmas with her. JT ended up staying with his dad permanently after Christmas. Latanya said that it seemed like they had become closer because of it, though in reality, Nathan was just treating JT as a friend instead of like a son. Things started escalating on January 1st. It was January the 1st is when things changed. What happened that day, ma'am? Um, New Year's Day. Yes. He called and he was like, I'm coming to get my kids. And I was like, no, you're not. Um, he said, I'm coming over there right now to get my kids. They got school in the morning, and I'm taking them to school. I'm coming over there right now. And um, he was upset. He was yelling. And um, I told him not to come over here. I think he called my dad, and they had words, and that's when my dad called the police. The police came out to the Taylor residence, and when Nathan called LaTanya back, the officer got on the phone and told him to stay away. He then suggested that LaTanya go to the court in the morning and file for joint custody of the children. 
When children are involved in a couple's separation, sometimes it's best to have an order from the court that outlines who gets the kids and when so this exact issue doesn't happen. LaTanya followed the officer's advice and planned to go to the court in downtown Raleigh the next morning after dropping her daughters off at school. When she arrived at the school, she saw Nathan's blue Chevy truck parked in the parking lot. She didn't want a confrontation with him, so she immediately backed out of the parking lot and called her dad. Sylvester met with LaTanya down the street so he could pick up the girls. She then continued to Raleigh to file the paperwork. The same morning, LaTanya's brother, Sylvester Taylor Jr., had received some troubling texts from Nathan. Sylvester Jr. had known Nathan since they were children, and though the two weren't close, they still communicated with each other. He described the interaction he had with Nathan the morning of January 2nd. Uh, things are getting worse, won't let me talk to the kids. Okay. And, and did, you, uh, did you actually see that text message immediately and respond to it? Yes, sir, I did. And can you tell me about your response or read that to the jury? Uh, my response was, just let things play out, keep your cool, and know that things will work out. I may start off rough, but it will smooth out. And I sent him a, a second text that said, just stay encouraged. Okay. And so um, when, when you received that text message from him, uh, you were aware at that time that, that your sister had left and taken the kids? Yes, sir. Okay. So, uh, so you kind of understood the context when, uh, when this text message came? Yes, sir. All right. Um, and, and, and then what was his response to you? His response uh, follows, uh, she downtown taking papers out. Kids not in school today. Sylvester Jr. tried to call Nathan, and he didn't answer, but he eventually called him back. I don't remember all the, the details of the call. I do remember when he uh, initially, when I missed, picked up the call, he was um, very frustrated. He was mad. He was upset. Um, and he just started apologizing. He was like, I'm sorry, T. I'm, I'm really sorry. And then I remember verbatim that he said, if I can't have the kids, nobody will. I just tried to calm him down and just told him, don't make any emotional decisions. You know, just just calm down, let things cool off, but don't do anything. Uh, just just don't do anything you regret. Just trying to calm him down. All right. And and, and after you tried to calm him down, what did it do? Actually, uh, the call was very short. I mean, it was maybe two to three minutes. But um, I think we kind of got off the phone pretty abruptly. He got off the phone abruptly just at this point, Sylvester Jr. was very concerned for the safety of his sister, nephew, and nieces. He tried to call LaTanya, but she didn't answer, so he called his father and told him about his interaction with Nathan. The texts continued. About three minutes, uh, maybe three to five minutes later, I received a text message that says, I'm about to react. I am sorry. Okay. And, and did you immediately respond to that? Yes, sir. I responded back and said, do not be wise. Your reaction, only, your reaction is only going to make things worse. Okay. And what was his response to that? Fuck it. Okay. Um, well, after that exchange, did you make some more phone calls? I did. Uh, just because seeing that he's, he stated that he was about to um, react and then seeing the last text that came in, I was just trying to reach out to Tanya. So I called, um, I believe I called my mom and dad, was trying to see, you know, did they get in touch with her? Did they find her or track her down? And then I tried to call my sister about four times. 
Sylvester Jr. continued making calls to try to find his sister and make sure she and her kids were okay. One of the calls he made is to the resource officer at JT's school. Meanwhile, at the courthouse, LaTanya got a text from Nathan that said, quote, What floor are you on? End quote. She immediately walked to the parking garage to leave, but she was confronted by her angry husband. Um, as soon as I got to my car to unlock it, he immediately pulled out of his truck. He was kind of parked down a couple of vehicles down. He immediately pulled out and, and pulled up behind my car. Were you able to get your in a position where you could get your car out of the parking space no, sir. at that point? How did uh how did that interaction proceed? He began cursing me out. Um he was very upset. Um yelling, cursing. Um he was fierce. Do you recall exactly exactly what he was saying to you? And I you know, you said it's cuss words, that's that's fine. You say what say what he said. What the fuck you doing? You trying to um you trying to uh, file papers on me? Um, what you doing? What you up to? I'm trying. I'm trying to call you. He was just rambling. I couldn't get a word in. So. Um, and you, I think you said that he looked mad at that point. He was upset. Very upset. How, what about his demeanor led you to that opinion that he was mad and upset? Throwing his hands up in the air, pointing at me, and yelling, cursing in my face. Uh, I couldn't move. I couldn't say anything. Uh, I couldn't drive out. And all I could do was try to calm him down. And I was like, I can't talk to you here. Let's just go somewhere and talk. Trying to calm him down. And um, so he, I said, just, um, just follow me. And I was like, just follow me. I said, we'll go somewhere and talk. But I couldn't talk to him at that time. LaTanya suggested they go somewhere and talk, and when she got out of the parking garage, she tried to speed away, but Nathan caught up with her. This only enraged him further, and he bumped her car and forced her out of the lane. She managed to calm him down again, and they agreed to go to the local Golden Corral restaurant so they could get something to eat and talk. She started heading to the restaurant, intending to actually sit down with him, but on her way, she got a call. He said that he was... um the resource officer from JT school and that he had got a call from my brother saying that um, he first he asked me where's Nathan and I was like how, you know thinking how did he know him I said he's behind me he's following me he said well I got a call from um, your brother stating that he said he would kill you and the kids today that it was going to all end today and that I needed to get back I said, um, he said, where are you? I said, I'm downtown. He's following me. We're going to go get something to eat to talk about this. He said, you need to go back downtown. You need to go to the police station. And you said that he'd received a call from your brother. And I know your brother and your father. Yes. Do you recall if it was your brother or your father that he said he'd heard from? I think he said my brother. All right. Um, and so he told, told you you need to get back down to the public safety center. Yes, sir. What did you do at that point, Latonya? Um, I made a quick U-turn where Bojangles and Cookout is at. So I made a U-turn. 
And I just started speeding downtown. And I was just weaving in and out of cars. And he's, like, speeding behind me, throwing up his arms. I'm just like, just follow me. Just, you know, waving him. Just follow me. And I pulled up in front of the public safety building. I just drove up, ran out, left my car there, ran out, and ran inside. And I said, um, my husband is trying to kill me. I need some help. And they took me to the back. She abandoned her car on the road and ran into the police station. She was still on the phone with the school resource officer at the time, and she gave the phone to one of the police officers so he could fill him in on what had happened. When police went outside, Nathan was gone. Due to the situation, officers at the station helped LaTanya file for a restraining order and for full custody of her children. They were able to skip a couple of steps and get her in front of the judge that day, and both orders were put into place on a temporary basis. Officers delivered the order of protection to Nathan immediately, which required him to surrender any firearms that he had in his possession. He had purchased a pistol a few years prior, but didn't disclose it to police. He was also barred from purchasing any more firearms. He was also supposed to bring JT back to LaTanya that same day, but he didn't show up to the exchange. Eventually, Nathan's father and stepmother brought JT to the Taylor home later that day. Sylvester Jr. got a text from Nathan at about 3 o'clock that afternoon, claiming that he was cool. He texted thanks. I responded, um, did you talk to her um, earlier? And he stated, yeah. And I said, um, I responded back, you two must talk and work, th- uh, work your way through this season. It's not easy for her, not easy for you, her, the kids and all. He responded, uh, nothing, nothing else I can um, say to her because she's not going to talk to me at all. Told her to have the kids, I'm cool. And I responded, Nate, I know it's not easy, but it's going to get better. He responded, no, it's easy for her to uh, to be with where she at and doing what she's doing. She got another dick in her ass and in her mom and her mom telling her it's okay to leave her fam and daddy ready to kill me. And I responded, "Um, I've been praying for you all day. I know you're frustrated, but thanks for cooling down. And he responded, um... If you do, then oh well, I don't know what else to do, man. I'm not going to call or say anything else. Wish them the best. And text, he responded again and says, I'm good. And I responded back and said, we'll work through this together. And he stated, okay. I'm sorry, but it doesn't seem like he's that calm. He's saying that he's good, but he's still being very aggressive towards LaTanya and her parents. On January 21st, LaTanya and Nathan went to court to negotiate the details of the custody of their children. LaTanya gained primary custody of all three children, with Nathan having visitation every other weekend. He was also banned from using any physical punishment on the kids. The restraining order was also renewed for one year, which continued his ban on having any firearms in his possession. These orders being put into place by the court didn't help in keeping the peace. At the end of Nathan's first visitation, Sylvester Sr. had arrived to pick up the kids because LaTanya was working. He claimed that after the kids got into the car, Nathan came over and had words with him, like he was trying to start something. 
Once back at the Taylor home, Sylvester Sr. tried to talk to JT about the situation with Nathan, but the boy wasn't paying attention, with his face in his phone. Sylvester said he slapped the phone out of JT's hand, which prompted the teenager to run to a neighbor's house and call the police. A CPS worker went to the school the next day and talked to JT, where he said that Sylvester Sr. either pulled a gun or threatened with a gun. The exact wording isn't known. The CPS worker called LaTanya and let her know, but Nathan immediately filed for emergency custody. As soon as that paperwork was filed, police came and removed all of the children, and Nathan got custody of the kids. LaTanya and Nathan went back to court on February 10th and got a new custody order saying that JT would live with his father and the girls would live with their mother. They would swap kids every other weekend. Anyone living in either household was not allowed to have any weapons. Sylvester Sr. said he had removed firearms from the house and crime scene investigators said they didn't find any when they searched the house. JT eventually admitted that Sylvester didn't have a gun on the day when he slapped the phone out of his hand. At the beginning of April, the parents were supposed to go back to court to discuss a permanent custody arrangement, but the court date got pushed back to June. Nathan was aggressively trying to talk to LaTanya, but she wasn't taking his calls, something that was pushing her estranged husband to his breaking point. On April 9, 2014, LaTanya left early because she was putting in some overtime at work. She said that Nathan had called her cell phone and work phone multiple times throughout the day, but she didn't talk to him. Once she got back home, she didn't feel well, so she immediately laid down in bed. Angelia took Nautica and Amber to the Wednesday Bible study at Zion Hills Church at about 7 o'clock that evening. While there, longtime friend Terry Williams said that JT showed up at the church. He said that his dad was looking for LaTanya, but Terry told him that she wasn't feeling well, so she didn't come to Bible study that evening. Terry said that she didn't see Nathan or his truck, but after JT found out that his mom wasn't at the church, he left. Angelia and the girls got back home around 9.30 p.m. Um, I was laying down, still laying down in the bed, and I heard them come in the house. I heard the girls laughing, and my mom, I think she was fixing them something to eat or something. Um, but as soon as she got home, I would say about 10 minutes, I heard Nathan's truck pull up. How did um, how'd you know it was Nathan's truck? I, I know that sound is really loud, and he pulled up right, it was like right next to the window. My bed was right next to the window where he pulled up at. Were you were you expecting the defendant to be there that night at all? No, sir. Did you have any idea that he was coming over? No, sir. And did you have any idea that you know, JT was coming over, Was he that if he was coming for a visit that night? No, sir. What happened after you, you heard the truck drive up? Um, I heard, um, JT come in the house. Um, he was talking to my dad and then he just came straight to the back of the room and was like, jumped on me and was like, Hey mom. I was like, Oh my God, I don't feel good. And he was like, I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, I don't know. Dad wanted to see you. You said that you heard JT and your dad have, have some exchange when he yes. walked in the house. You recall what they, what they said to each other? No. Okay. Um, but JT appeared to be in pretty good spirits. Yes. Uh, 
Where were the two girls at this point? Um, Nautica was in the room with me, and um, Amber, I guess, was in the kitchen or living room. After JT kind of came in there and, and, and greeted you, what happened at that point with Tony? Um, Nathan came into the home. I could hear it, and he was yelling um, in the living room, oh, um, y'all don't want to talk to me. Somebody going to talk to me today. Y'all don't want to talk to me. And he was yelling, and then I heard gunshots. And you said it was Nathan, or you, you know, did you recognize it to be his voice? Yes, sir. The voice you've heard for 15-plus years. Yes, sir. LaTanya said that there was no hesitation between the yelling and the gunshots. Nathan arrived at the house with the intent to kill. She got all of the kids into the closet to hide them from their enraged father. She managed to call 911 and tell them her husband was there shooting, but the call cut off. He came in, into the room. He had the gun in his hand, and he just started yelling at me, um, Oh, you don't want to talk to me? You don't want to talk to me? I'm calling you. You don't want to talk to me? And he started pistol whipping me. And I was just telling him, stop, please don't do this. And I said, I'll talk to you, bae. And when I said bae, he said, bae, oh, I'm your baby now? And he just started pistol whipping me. When you say he um, was pistol whipping, where, where was he hitting you? In my head, my face, my ears. I lost, I remember, like, my ears shattering um, and losing hearing in one of my ears. Um, he was beating me in the face, in my upper body, and he wouldn't stop. I was just fighting. What happened as, as he was beating you with the gun? He kept beating me, and then the gun fired off. And, um, I was just still fighting and begging him, just take me away um, I didn't want him to kill me there. Why didn't you want him to kill you there? Um, I didn't want my children to see me dead. After beating LaTanya with the gun, he tried to end her life with the children right there. How close was that closet to where you were being beaten? I could reach out to him. It was right there. Did you hear how they were reacting? It was screaming. Um, Nautica was screaming. Amber crying. Said so the gun went off one time. Where where did that bullet strike you? In my face. In my across my face. Were you still able to? struggle with him and try and keep him off of you after that, after that first shot to your face? Yes. What happened then, LaTanya? Um, I was down on the floor. I remember being down on, um, um, on my knees. And at that time, I had lost eyesight in one of my eyes. And he was still beating me 
in the head and in the face. And then um, he stood over me and shot me. What did you say before that shot went off? Jesus. And where did that shot hit you? In my heart. The last thing that LaTanya remembered was the paramedics taking her out of the back door of the house and loading her into an ambulance. Then, at the hospital, doctors were hooking things up to her and asking her her name before everything went black. The doctors didn't get her real name from her. When victims of violence come into the trauma center, they're sometimes admitted under an alias so the person who hurt them can't find them in the hospital. When police arrived on the scene at the Taylor home, Nathan was gone and his whereabouts were unknown, so LaTanya was admitted to WakeMed Hospital under the name Tina Truffle. Dr. Lori Lilly, the trauma surgeon on call that night, described her condition. It was clear that she was critically injured. She didn't have a normal sensorium. She had some uh, evidence of trauma on her face and head, so you know, part of her mental status we knew could be attributed to assault or gunshot to the head, but also we were worried that she had an obvious bullet in her chest, hole in her chest, and that she was not getting good tissue perfusion or good blood flow because she could be losing a lot of blood, which is called shock. Like she could be entering shock and that could make her not be thinking and talking clearly. And it was also seemed like she couldn't really talk well because her, her mouth was hurt and it was injured. But she was somewhat combative and she tried to sit up. And she kept, the only thing I really remember her saying was, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then she vomited blood. Okay. We, we kind of think simply and we say airway, breathing, circulation. And she had a good, pretty good blood pressure, but her heart rate was really fast. It was like 149. And she was having trouble breathing. So one of the first things on our agenda was uh, getting, getting, good at, getting, getting her good breathing, which would be putting a breathing tube in. And she was clearly very uncomfortable. And the good thing about a trauma team is you have a lot of people that can really be doing things at once. So we sort of, in a matter of minutes, intubated her, which is put her on a breathing machine, put a left chest tube in so if there was blood or air, it could come out. And some blood did come out, though not huge quantities. Um, and we put big IV lines in her groins to be able to give her fluids. We gave her a couple of liters of saline. She was still had a pretty rapid heart rate. We started blood at that time and got a chest x-ray, which did not show a bullet in her chest. Both bullets had gone all the way through her body. The first had entered her mouth and exited the side of her face, and the second had entered her chest and exited her back. Dr. Lilly describes the bullet's path through her chest. Well, we had had to give her blood, and we saw the path of the bullet. And uh, The CAT scan showed us that the bullet went in about the third level rib, and the bullet um, went in her subcutaneous tissue. It went in her chest. It went through the sac around your heart, which is called the pericardium. And we couldn't really tell from the CT scan what other damage it had done in that area, but we saw blood. And then we saw that it had gone through the liver, so that means it went through the muscle between the heart and the liver, the diaphragm. And it had basically blown apart the left lobe of her liver. And we saw a kidney injury on the CAT scan of the left kidney. And we um, saw a, a fracture of the 12th thoracic transverse process, which is a little bone that sticks out on the outside of the main vertebral body. And then the bullet had exited. So there was no bullet left in her her, the trajectory of this. And the 12th 
what was that last? Uh, Transverse process. Is that essentially on your backbone? Part of her backbone. While surgeons at WakeMed were working diligently to save LaTanya's life, deputies from the Wake County Sheriff's Office were trying to make sense of the scene at the Taylor residence. When Deputy Cameron Broadwell and Deputy Craig Shapcott arrived on the scene, they found Angelia Taylor in the master bedroom, non-responsive. Paramedics determined that she had been shot once in the chest and once in the wrist. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Once the house had been cleared, deputies Broadwell and Shapcott noticed that the back door was open when they got there, so they went out back and checked the scene. Behind the house was a large plowed field and two sheds. The deputies cleared the sheds, and when they directed their flashlights into the field, they saw the body of Sylvester Taylor Sr. He had been shot four times, once in the hip, once in the left back, once in the left chest, and another time in the left chest that went through his chest and entered his right arm. He was also declared dead at the scene. It was believed that Nathan went into the house and shot Angelia first. He then went out the back door and shot Sylvester as he was running from the field into the house. Then he went back inside to attack his wife. After deputies arrived on the scene, the children were taken from the house and placed in the back of one of the sheriff's cruisers. Nathan managed to evade police for the next few hours. He went to his neighbor's house and asked to use the phone. Carl Statton, who goes by Collie Wally, said that he had known Nathan since he was a baby. At around 10.30 p.m. on April 9th, Nathan knocked on his door, waking him up. When he answered, Nathan had asked to use his phone. He let him make a call, and after Nathan left, Collie Wally went back to bed. An hour and a half later, there was another knock at his door. Well, who was knocking that time? They said it was the sheriff's department. I told him to quit playing uh-huh. at my door. <laughs> okay. And, um... And, and, and what did they say when you told them to quit playing? They said, uh, this done to you either open the door or we're going to knock it down. I, I ain't want my door knocked down, so I jumped up. Done to her, like he was scared. I didn't see nobody. He little head thing, not like this. And, and it was the sheriff, Donnie Harrison, was there? It was the sheriff, Donnie Harrison. At your house about an hour and a half after? Um, I, I couldn't tell you what time it was. Okay, that's fine. Well, wh- what did they want to talk to you about? They asked me, um, where the guy that's driving the truck? I said, who? They said, Nate. I said, I don't know. Okay. And did you tell them about what happened, about him coming over and asking to use your phone? And then Yeah, like- I said, he just came in and used the phone. He walked back out the door. I said, and that was it. They asked me, did he come in the house? I said, yeah, he came in the house and used the phone. Did he have a gun? I said, I ain't seen no gun. Uh, did they ask you what, what you thought he might have been up to? Nope. Okay. Um, did they ask you about when was the last time you'd seen him before that night? Nope. I can't remember the last time I'd seen him. All right. It's not clear who Nathan called. The Wake County Special Response Team, which is like SWAT, continued searching for Nathan and managed to find him in the woods around his home with the assistance of a canine unit. As soon as Nathan saw authorities, he fired at them. Deputy S.D. Stell described the situation. Once they started around the property, they encountered a su- subject in the wood line that basically jumped up and either started firing. Heard, actually, I was back at my car. I heard firearms going off. Okay. At that point, shots were being fired. We, at that point, tried to regroup, 
figuring out where everything was going from, and myself and another officer started to the wood line where the shots were being fired at, and we were called off by the sheriff. All right. And shortly after that, one gentleman on our radio came out that someone was running, so we returned to our cars and got in our cars and tried to go set perimeter up. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning on April 10th, so it was still dark out. Deputies got in their vehicles to set up a perimeter, but got a call to come back. Once the gunfire we were called off, we elected to go back to our cars and try to get out on the highway and get to kind of get this field kind of boxed in. Mm-hmm. Once I got to the highway with my car, radio traffic said that they were struggling with a gentleman at the wood line. So I did a U-turn with my car, come back up the same driveway. Instead of following around the field, I went across the field toward where I saw cars were at. And at that point, um, they were struggling with a gentleman. All right. And the gentleman they're struggling with is the defendant? Nathan That's Holmes. correct, sir. All right. Um, and, and, and were they struggling with him sort of in the wo- right there in the woodline? They were basically just outside the woodline, not in the middle of the field, but several feet from the woodline. Okay. Um, well, did, did you go and, and um, attempt to assist in any way? Once I got out of the car, they, SRT guys had had the gentleman down. They seemed like they had him under control, and they asked me to retrieve a weapon that was laying near the suspect did now that the um srt officers that they they actually had the defendant physically kind of proned out on the ground is that correct that's correct sir okay and um and and they asked you to take control of a weapon is that right that's correct sir and and where was that weapon located in uh relation to the defendant it was to the right side of him just outside of his hand probably approximately about a foot from his hand nathan holden was arrested and charged with two counts of first degree murder one count of attempted murder, and one count of assault with a deadly weapon with the intent to cause serious harm. Seven days after she was shot and her parents were murdered, LaTanya woke up in the hospital with her mouth wired shut. It was here that her aunt told her that her parents were dead, but luckily her children were unharmed. She was able to breathe a sigh of relief when she was also told that Nathan had been arrested. The doctors were amazed at how well she recovered, and two days after she woke up, she attended her parents' funeral. While awaiting trial, Nathan was interviewed by social workers and psychologists. Social worker Larna Haddix spoke with Nathan two days after the murders, where he told her, quote, they got what they deserved, end quote. She said he blamed LaTanya for the crime, saying, quote, all this was her fault, if she just would have answered the phone, end quote. Well, case dismissed. Why didn't you tell us she didn't answer the phone? You're clearly justified in murdering her parents, bashing her face in with a pistol, and shooting her twice. You're free to go, sir. Dr. Jonathan Blackshear claimed that Nathan suffered from PTSD caused by his tough childhood. His parents' relationship and separation caused him severe trauma. Then, the breakup of his own marriage caused him even more trauma. So I guess that makes it okay for him to kill people. Nathan's defense didn't deny that he had committed the attack, but they argued that it shouldn't be first-degree murder because it wasn't premeditated. They claimed that it was just an impulsive act. What Nate did was an undeliberated, impulsive act. He didn't plan it. He didn't want it to happen. This goes against everything he has ever stood for family, being there for his kids, being a good husband, undergoing the most painful, most stressful experience of his life, Nate did snap. 
the prosecution responded to their ridiculous claims. And you heard that they say it's out of character. Well, murder is out of character for most people. Um, you know, murdering two people is not something that is a habit uh, or is uh, done in the regular course of business. Uh, but if it happens, you need to, dis to decide why from the facts and the evidence. And I also want to tell you what we don't have to prove and what we don't care to prove. We don't care to prove he's a monster or that he was a bad person on every other day or that his children didn't love him. Not because that might not be important in phase two, because it's irrelevant to your deliberations and your determination of guilt or innocence to these crimes. Now, the defense spoke for about an hour, um, and they talked a little bit about deliberation, um, and they talked a little bit about intent, and they talked a lot about stuff that happened before April 9th. But this is all about what happened on April 9th, and you haven't heard any law from them. Um, and that's because it is overwhelmingly against the defendant. The law is clear on this. This is first-degree murder. Both the Mr. Taylor, Mrs. Taylor, and attempted murder to Latanya Allen, um, as well as the felony assault. The jury agreed that it wasn't premeditated, but they convicted him of first-degree murder anyway. I disagree with them. He spent the evening looking for Latanya. He brought a gun with him, and when he found her, he began shooting with no hesitation. He didn't try to talk to anyone first and eventually snapped and started shooting. He showed up and started shooting because that was his plan from the beginning. He had previously texted Sylvester Jr. about reacting to the situation. He knew ahead of time that he was going to do this. The prosecutor doesn't get to finish his closing arguments before Nathan seals his own fate. Here's what you're going to say to him. We find you guilty of one count of attempted first-degree murder of Latonya Holden, one count of assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, inflicting serious injury to Latonya Holden, one count of first-degree murder of Sylvester Taylor with premeditation and deliberation and pursuant no to the felony words. murder rule, and one count of first-degree murder of Anglia Taylor pursuant to the felony murder rule and based on premeditation and deliberation. You're going to tell him that because it's the truth, because that's what happened. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lively. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a five-minute recess, and then I'll bring you back and I'll read the jury instructions to you. That will probably take about half an hour, and we'll break for lunch at that time. At which time you begin deliberations. Uh, you just take five minutes to refresh yourselves. What official charge have you been asking for? You can't prove no official charge, you can't. Can you show me some official charges? Can you state that? Can you show me where Congress has allowed you power to do what you're doing? Can you show me where this is, none of this whole proceeding is unconstitutional? Can you show me that? Yeah, I thought you'd get quiet. One judge will. Somebody, somebody knows the law. We'll be in recess for five minutes.
Nathan begins rambling about the prosecutor not having authority to do what he's doing. He asks if he can show that the proceedings aren't unconstitutional. It's clear that Nathan is one of those people who believes he has the right to do whatever he wants, and anyone trying to punish him is violating his rights somehow. There's no explanation of what he's trying to claim, and it doesn't ever seem to come up again. The jury found him guilty on all charges, and they moved to the penalty phase where they decided whether or not he should get the death penalty. The jury voted against the death penalty and recommended life in prison for all charges. Nathan Holden was sentenced to two life sentences without the possibility of parole, plus an additional 20 to 25 years, all to be served consecutively. He will never be released from prison. The defense put in a notice to appeal, but their appeal was dismissed the following year. He filed another appeal in 2020, and it's still pending. Seriously, Nathan Holden will never get out of prison. LaTanya's brother, Sylvester Taylor Jr., was a captain in the U.S. Army and was stationed in Michigan at the time of the attack. He took a leave of absence to travel to North Carolina to be with his sister and handle his parents' funeral arrangements. He eventually decided to stay in North Carolina permanently, and he and his wife lived together with LaTanya, JT, Nautica, and Amber. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233, or go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will instantly take your browser to a Google search page. In the event the abuser is nearby, you can assure that you don't get caught trying to get help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Be safe. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can help us out by leaving us a review or rating on whatever podcast app you listen through. You can also subscribe to the show to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Also, remember that if you'd like to support the show, the easiest way is to donate a few bucks at Buy Me a Coffee or check out some of our merchandise at Teespring. You can find information on how to do that along with links to our social media at thisismonsters.com. Thanks again. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. 
While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Did you hear that? Wine and champagne is 20% off. And that? Medium selection boxes like Skittles and Cadbury mix and match any three for five euro. 20 and 24 can boxes of Coke, Diet Coke and Coke Zero are just 12 euro. Have you got any 10 off 50s? And that's the sound of better value. Every week leading up to Christmas, there's new savings to be had. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Vouching abuse to next grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Vouching excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather. Predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa. Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see certaireland.ie.